This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal here on the podcast to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. You're joining us for a special episode as part of our 2023 ACCE Chamber of the Year finalist series. Our title sponsor is Community Matters, Inc. With nearly 20 years in the chamber industry and over 100 media awards presented to their chamber partners, Community Matters provides the R&R that every chamber needs, revenue and recognition. When it comes to publishing a chamber map, directory, or community guide, Community Matters has the trusted experience to help your chamber accomplish your goals. With different advertising sales models and publication styles, Community Matters will help you create a non-dues revenue machine. Let's hear from Becky Womble, President and CEO of the Bastrop Chamber, to hear about her experience using Community Matters. I've been using Community Matters for probably six or seven years now, and um, in a previous life, I sold commercial printing, so I can highly recommend Community Matters because it's a complete turnkey job for any busy chamber exec. Um, basically, you give them a membership list, and from there, they contact your members, and it's no high-pressure sales or anything, and it really is a complete turnkey job from start to finish, and it's a wonderful, beautiful printed product whenever you're finished, and I just, I'm very sold on Community Matters, and with a printing background, I just, big endorsement for me. To learn how Community Matters can support your chamber with your next publication, please visit communitymattersinc.com slash podcast to request your free media kit and request a proposal to find out what kind of non-dues revenue you can generate. Our guest for this episode is Andrew Hone. Andrew is the president and CEO of the Portland Metro Chamber, which was also a Chamber of the Year finalist last year. Andrew joined the organization in 2018 Uh, with years of successful business association executive leadership experience. Previously, Andrew served as the president and CEO of the Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce, which was awarded the 2017 New York State Chamber of Commerce of the Year. He is a resident of Rose City with his wife, Karina, and children, Theo, Rocky, and Aria. Uh, for those of you who have uh, listened to the podcast for a while, may remember Andrew from uh, last year's Chamber of the Year finalist series. If you want to go back and check that out, it was episode 185. But Andrew, I'm excited to have you back with us on Chamber Chat Podcast. Congratulations to you and your team for being selected again as Chamber of the Year finalists. Love for you to say hello to the audience and, and share something interesting about yourself so we can get to know you a little bit better. Sure. Thanks, Brandon. And hello, everybody. And uh, just thrilled to be back here for several reasons to be on the podcast, of course, but then um, also to be a, a finalist uh, for Chamber of the Year. And it, it really is a, it's, it's a super honor uh, because you realize that chambers everywhere, especially in big cities, are facing so many challenges and working so hard to bring our communities back. Uh, and to be positive in a post-pandemic world, and it it is not easy. And so uh, to be 
in consideration is, is an honor. And uh, we're up against Boston or Orlando, which are incredible cities and awesome chambers of commerce. So uh, we're, we're excited to go to Salt Lake City and compete, but also just to be in that mention is, is exciting and to be on this show to talk about is even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, for those that don't know me, uh, I'm, I feel really special because I've gotten to see uh, and live in different parts of the world. I, I was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which we call the Fresh Coast. And then I moved out to Brooklyn, New York for nearly two decades. Uh, So I lived on the East Coast. And then uh, my wife was recruited uh, to come out here to Portland, Oregon. She's an incredible physician and surgeon. And so we've we've made our home here on the left coast uh, for almost five years. I started my job precisely five years and four days ago. So it's been a wild ride. And that's a little bit about myself. Well, happy uh, chamber anniversary there in Portland. <laughs> uh, well, tell us a little bit more about the Portland Metro Chamber, just to give us an idea of the, the scope of work, size, staff, budget, just to kind of prepare us for our conversation today. Sure. Um, so the Portland Metro Chamber was founded in 1870, so we're 153 years old, and it's uh, had an, a storied history uh, throughout throughout the years. And the modern iteration came about in 2002, uh, where the downtown business group and the regional chamber of commerce decided to form uh, an affiliation and legal binding agreement between the two. Uh, And ever since then, we've been known as the Alliance. And so our modern chamber was established in 2002. And and today, uh, between the three affiliates that make up our Alliance, uh, the chamber, downtown Portland's business improvement district and partners in diversity, which is a diversity, equity, and inclusion workspace uh, effort. Uh, We have nearly 30 staffers. We have 2,200 members, and we serve the 213 blocks of downtown Portland with traditional downtown business improvement district services like security and cleaning and retail promotion and marketing and things that, that you want downtowns to be. So, uh, that's who we are. And we just launched um, our sort of newest name and brand identity. We brought forward the, the chamber name again because it was sort of hiding in the background. And uh, we also launched a three-year strategic plan as well simultaneously. So uh, we get to the, the sort of be in the position now uh, to be proactive and in looking into the future. But uh, that's a little bit about ourselves and uh, about where we're going. Awesome. Yeah, I remember last year, the the downtown you know, portion of the, the work that you guys do really caught me by a little bit of surprise just as a chamber that that's not something you, you normally hear chambers doing, but something you guys take on and, and, are, and are managing well. So um, that's, that's definitely unique. So the way that I like to structure these Chamber of the Year finalist interviews is to really focus our attention on the two programs that you guys submitted on your Chamber of the Year finalist application. Um, So maybe just at a high level, uh, mention what the two programs are, and then we can circle back in a little more depth on each of those. Sure. So I'll I'll start with the first one, and it's, it's, it's unusual to hear good tax news for businesses, uh, especially out here on the West Coast. Uh, and so I'll, I'll start with our successes on something that, that took a whole lot of time and effort, and that is completely reforming the business tax codes here in the city 
county and our metro region, which is a, is a government body as well. And the result, the, the headlines are this, because of our actions, uh, the year that began here, 2023, uh, every locally headquartered company will see their business taxes go down. And before this year, uh, we had the unfair condition where businesses that were from other places could operate in our community and not pay local taxes. And so clearly that was unfair. And so we reached an incredible uh, collaborative uh, opportunity with our local governments, local elected officials to synchronize and change all three levels of government's tax codes simultaneously. And it took two years to do this. It took a lawsuit and it took a lot of elbow grease, uh, but we got to where we wanted to, uh, where all governments saw it in their best interest to support their local business community, noting that it was not gonna impact their revenues and that it was going to strengthen our economy. And so this happened at the very tail end of 2022. Uh, and we were able to share the good news with our members in the region and beyond that Portland, Oregon and our region can work together on tax reform to the benefit of our local employer community and that it wasn't a us versus them conversation. Uh, again, though, it did involve a lawsuit. So there was a little bit of uh, <laughs> angst there at the same time, not going to lie. And it created what I think to be the conditions to further improving the tax conditions for our business community here. And it's no secret that we pay very high taxes in this region. Uh, voters have elected to do that time and again. Uh, but uh, it was it was too much in our community, our business community, our economy were hurting. And so this was a collaboration. And then I think a shared victory by all three governments that we were very proud of. And, and we built on that success ever since then. And I mentioned before we started talking that uh, just this last May, uh, we were able to, for the first time in over a decade, as the Chamber of Commerce, defeat a local citizen tax initiative that was just really, really wacky. And we not only defeated it, but the victory margin was 80% opposed to the new tax and 20% in favor. And so I would just ask anybody to think about whether or not anyone's agreed on 80% on anything in any community of late. And to note that Portland, Oregon, where, you know, uh, socialist registration is outnumbers Republicans uh, in our community uh, was able to defeat a tax measure that that squares with your perception. And so I'd say not only did we reform taxes, we prevented new ones from happening. And now we're having really honest and open conversations about what's the right thing to invest in as a community, whether we're overburdened and not doing it in a way that's super antagonistic, but more collaborative and focused on what our core issues are. So that's that's number one. That's you may need to file a, an amendment with your chamber of the year application to be able to include that part, right? But defeating the, <laughs> the yeah, it's increase. true. We we thought about it, you know, and it was the the success too was shared by a lot of people. It was, uh, you know, we have citizens initiative like a lot of communities do, and people endorse or you know either side, yes or no. And what was a point of pride for us in this effort was that ev almost every single elected official in our region joined us. And usually we would be in these opposing sides on tax issues, but I think we proved from last year when you work together to reform taxes that it can be a win-win. And so I think we built trust and then we built on that trust so that they were able to join our side openly and then involved community groups, specifically, you know, culturally 
oriented uh, organizations that don't traditionally take sides on taxes, but that we had also built trust and relationships with so that they were our chief spokesperson. And it wasn't the the business community saying no new taxes. It was uh, our Asian Pacific Islander community, our Hispanic and Latino communities. And, you know, our Congress member was one of our chief spokespersons, Earl Blumenauer, who's not exactly a you know, conservative anti-tax leader. So we had great success there and we're going to keep working on it and keep building trust and collaboration on, on these issues that impact our businesses. So I'm curious with that initiative, what what really, I, I know we're kind of going out of format here. Sure. I wanted high level and then details Please. and we're getting into the details. So yeah. what was that driver that made you guys decide you needed to focus on tax reform in your the city, the county and the metro? But it was so unfair on the surface, and we had a complete disconnect. So uh, the business taxes that were created locally uh, were not aligned with our state business taxes. So it started off as sort of basic, this is just bad policy. So you just looked at the surface of it and you know, you're know you a company that's, that's headquartered in Portland and you're paying one kind of tax to Portland and you're paying another kind of tax to Oregon and, and just was creating a sort of administrative mess. So you had a good problem statement. And then secondly, you looked at a company that might be safe from, you know, not to pick on Arizona, but let's just call it a law firm from Arizona, could be ser- you know, serving a client here in Portland and a Portland law firm serving a client here in Portland. And the Portland law firm was paying and the Arizona one wasn't. So there was just fundamental unfairness there. And so by capturing out-of-state activity here locally by doing what's called market-based sourcing for our taxes... We were able to capture that out-of-state activity, which again, it just was principally unfair. And and most other locations had moved to that type of taxes. And we were the only organization that could do that sort of really heavy, frankly, boring (laughs) work. But that was really important to our members and resulted in the net savings because that same Portland firm now is paying less in taxes versus the Arizona, which is just getting to parity with the local companies. So there was there was that problem statement that just we couldn't get away from and and we were the only entity that could could drive it and then it was for our members they are going to see significant financial benefit from this. It, it's not a lowering of the rates. It's just fairness that allows their burden to be decreased. And uh it was just a matter of convincing the governments that it was a win for them too because when Oregon did this the state it resulted in a net increase in revenue to the state. And so we were able to demonstrate that, hey, past can predict the future. You win, we win, our companies win. This is this is a win-win. So it was just a matter of getting through the hard work of, of opening people's minds to doing tax reform work and not thinking about it like it's it's an antagonistic experience, but a collaborative and positive one where everyone can win. Yeah. Now that that program that tax reform definitely makes a, a big impact throughout the the entire metro, you know, like you explained city county and metro. And uh so I'm I think we need to kind of shift gears into your your other topic and let's uh dive into that as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat, Shop, Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar, 
partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Are you looking for a way to promote your business community? Look no further than Pippoli. With Pippoli, you can get all the tools you need to connect with your members, promote your businesses, and grow your community. Pippoli offers a wide range of features, including a state-of-the-art community website, a community clicker mobile app for businesses, members, and the community, a marketplace where businesses can present professional services and even sell their products, a powerful event management and community calendar system, a comprehensive commerce community management system, and a complete membership services department, all included. And best of all, Pipley is only $1 per member per month after a small initial setup. That's a fraction of the cost of other management platforms. So, what are you waiting for? Sign up for Pipley today and start growing your business community. Book a time to learn more at pipley.com. That's P-I-P-P-I-L-Y.com to book a time to meet and learn more. We'll show you how Pipply can help you promote your business community and grow your subscriptions. Howdy, it's Donna Novitsky here, CEO of Yifty. Fun fact about local businesses. Did you know that small businesses employ 57% of the U.S.'s non-government workforce? Many of these small businesses are your chamber members. We are here to help you help them. As you heard last week, we do digital gift cards for 500-plus communities, and we call them community cards. Our chamber partners get a custom gift card branded for you that works exclusively in your member stores. The program is free for you and free for your members. We even give you reports so you can tell them how much business you brought them. Sign up for a live Zoom demo with me or one of my teammates at yifty.com demo or email sales at yifty.com. That's Y-I-F-T-E-E dot com. That's it for now. Back to the show. All right, Andrew, we're back. So what is the, the second program that you guys submitted on your application for Chamber of the Year? Sure. www.oregonstateofsport.com. And as someone who moved here from the outside, uh, you know, there's a big difference in culture between, you know, Brooklyn, New York in Portland, Oregon. A lot of similarities, but one of the big cultural differences is that Portlanders are very demure. You know, they don't want to talk about their successes. They want to be humble. And that's that to me is a, a positive value. Uh, and in Brooklyn, you know, you go to Brooklyn and people are like, hey, I'm from Brooklyn. And, you know, this is the greatest city on earth and don't mess with us. And so I think it's interesting because when I came here, you know, you, you realize that the region had completely failed to capitalize on the thing that it is truly better than anybody else at, which is what we design, the world wears. And whether you're in outdoor, you know, high adventure activities, or you're in fitness, you know, you are either climbing on Metolius gear, 
or you're running in Nike sneakers and, and what we make and, we're, and design here, everyone is wearing. And yet nobody knows about that. So there's a fundamental disconnect between our economic strategy and the way we marketed our region uh, and our own sort of cultural desire to be humble and not talk about our successes. So we decided coming out of the pandemic that we needed to focus on a new economic strategy that was predicated on our strengths and that we needed thing, but it was going to be a Portland thing. Corvallis or collaboration along with our state partners. And so we formed a kind of analysis of which proved what we all know, that we have more companies, we have more employees, and we produce more economic outcomes in the athletic outdoor team and recreation business ecosystem than any other place in the country and that we wanted the world to know. So we launched this brand, this name, this website that's focused on all the things you want, business attraction, growth, workforce development, partnership with academic centers, and cross-regional collaboration, in part inspired by the work of our peers over in North Carolina that they've been branding themselves in a way as the research triangle for a long time. So there's this sense of focusing in on cluster-based economic stress results and good outcomes for your business community and grows local businesses. And so after we launched this uh, analysis and this branding exercise, we've gone to work on the policy front. Uh, and this has been adopted both by our city's economic development corporation, our region's economic development corporation, we have a task force bill that's you know nearly out of the state legislature right now to establish this as direction for economic focus for the state. Uh, and we've had huge wins locally where it's pivoted the entire way that our local governments have thought about economic development, where they are pairing their objectives with supporting the state of sport ecosystem. And that's resulted in simple things like huge wins on events like Formula E, which is going to be happening this weekend, specifically because we've focused on attracting these major athletic and team-based conferences and competitions to an entire expo center that is now going to be repositioned and repurposed as an indoor athletic competition facility, one that will be unrivaled in the entire West Coast, because we're capable of hosting these types of large-scale events. And we proved it last year with the World Track and Field Games that came here for the first time to America and right here in Oregon, where the first Nike was produced uh, over in Hayward Field in Eugene. So we're building on our strengths. We're converting that into a real economic development synergies and major investments by our local governments. And we see this as a huge potential to build on the economic engine that's already driving growth and to catalyze cross-regional collaborations between places like Bend and Eugene and Portland that didn't always work together before, even though that's we're the flagship city, but they're the places that have the major academic centers and the research campuses. So this is about borrowing from other people's playbooks, building on our successes, and being a chamber that's leading on economic development strategy, because the private sector knows how to get this done. And so we're putting our voices first, and we're bringing our governments along with us. Right. No, to me, it makes a lot of sense. And you've got those other models that you can look at, like you mentioned the research triangle, North Carolina. Um, and it, it makes a lot of sense to bring those synergies together. 
how is it being received throughout the community as a, I guess community at, at large, right? Cause it's a, a large area that you're talking about, but from, you know, those, those natives to Oregon who may be a little, you know, hesitant to be boastful or to, to showcase, you know, the, the good positive wins, things that are happening, how's that being adopted and, and kind of changing that mindset of, you know, we've got something special here to show off to the world. I think that it's now become a moniker because, and I'll give examples of this, uh, Portland is in line right now to attract a WNBA franchise. And our United States Senator, who's the chair of the Finance Committee of the U.S. Senate, uh, Ron Wyden, is working with us and our coalition to do the attraction of a WNBA franchise to Portland. And it fits all the things that we care about. So it's about aligning our values and our culture along with economic strategy and doing it in a collaborative way. And we're making that hard pitch right now to attract a franchise. Secondly, we're also in line for a major league baseball franchise. And so we have an MLB initiative here. It's really going to be us on the West Coast and maybe a couple other cities that are vying for an expansion team. But we are laying the groundwork now with our partners in government to build a new stadium here in the city, to acquire the land that makes that happen, and to make that hard pitch uh, to the commissioner's office about why Portland's the right place. So what it what it's done is it's just sort of the light bulb went off. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, right, yeah, we are the center of athletic and outdoor activity. And yes, these big franchises are exciting, but who wouldn't want to be a WNBA team in the place where Air Jordans were created, right? right? I just, you know, uh, come on. It's just an incredible opportunity. And, you know, we really are in the Pacific Northwest. We don't have that sort of galvanizing team base right now because, you know, if it's not in Seattle or in Portland, uh, it doesn't exist. And there's a lot of space between us and the rest of the country. Uh, But we've seen that the community embraces this type of economic development strategy already because they're just ravenous fans. And I give an example, Major League Soccer opened up here, you know, over a decade ago. And the Portland Timbers and Thorns are unrivaled successes. Uh, The Thorns is, I, I think, arguably the most successful women's soccer franchise on earth. And the brand and imagery and the fan base loves and embraces the team and it's just to us the revelation the community is already there we in the business community just needed to sync up with the way that people in portland felt about themselves for so long and to give it a name and a brand and identity so now all these efforts are finally working together in a way that is super collaborative and is going to move the needle and if we land these two franchises they'll be game changers for our city Quite literally, game changers. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that is super exciting. And I guess you need that balance after working on all the tax stuff, right? The, the super yeah. boring and the super exciting. You got to gotta have that contrast. <laughs> but uh, no, but these things, they don't happen overnight, right? Like to be able to be in position for a Major League Baseball franchise or WNBA franchise. Like if you guys weren't already doing things well in that, in your community to be able to attract the attention and be, be a, a major player in that the running for these teams, uh, it doesn't happen overnight. So this is exciting stuff. I'm going to be, you know, keeping my eye on, on Portland and, and seeing what happens here in the, the next, you know, short future. But, um, as we start to wrap things up here, I wanted to give you, um, 
an opportunity to share maybe any tips or action items for a listener who is, is really wanting to take their organization up to the next level? What, what kind of tips or uh, advice might you offer to them? You know, uh, I think reflecting now five years into this job and the conditions of the city, our policy and our effectiveness five years ago versus where they are today, uh, it was a really hard transition for me personally to come to Portland where it felt like the business community was reviled, that the job was impossible and we couldn't get anything done to today feeling like there's nothing we can't do. And we just have to be selective about what we engage in. I, I think that what has borne the most fruit, uh, which I believe is a thing that no chamber person should ignore is to understand that you are inheriting an institution that will live beyond you and that you have to focus on the fundamentals to be able to do the stuff that we're talking about today. And when I mean fundamentals, I really mean inwardly looking staff and board development. And I look at our board now versus where it was five years ago. And this is not about someone did something bad five years ago. It's just, we didn't have strategic direction. We didn't have goals in terms of behaviors and outcomes on our board. Uh, people didn't understand how we we're making decisions. And it took a lot of time, effort, and energy to build a strategic thinking on our board uh, that right now I can say, looking at it five years on, is what actually allows us to do the things that we do. And it gives us the authority and influence that we need to be able to do our work externally because we have the weight of a highly functioning, functioning collaborative board. And then secondly, on the staff side, you know, I think this gets right now, everyone's talking about make, building corporate culture. And, you know, I think it's almost become cliche now, but uh, we have all gone through this unbelievably impactful experience the last three years and staffs across every organization chambers are part of that have really gone through their own emotional journeys, physical ones, tragedy, you know, political upheaval. You know, everybody's feeling that impact uh, about where we are as a society. And so as a chamber leader and executive, you got to take care of your teams because I look now at our staff, they work together, they support each other so that they know if, if, if for whatever reason, they're dropping balls or they're just maybe lagging or something's impacting their work or they're stressed out and challenged, that people have their back. And that's really a good thing. Uh, so staff and board, don't ignore it, focus on it. And every investment you make into those two buckets will pay dividends in the long run. I love that. That uh, <clears throat> that response seems well so well thought out. And the, the things that really stand out to me is like you said, when coming in there and looking at some of these tasks as being impossible to now kind of being unstoppable, right? And uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. being selective, but also <laughs> looking at, at the institution, you know, living beyond you. I think that's huge to give that perspective and, and we're all making that, that impact right now in, in your moment of time, but what you're building and, and the community around you is going to live on well beyond you. That's powerful. <laughs> Um, so maybe along those lines, um, how do you see the future of chambers going forward and their, their purpose going forward? 
Well, you know, I, I think about Chambers and I think about, you know, I, I'm biased towards the fact that we tend to represent, you know, large urban centers. You know, I think that's probably most people know that every single city, big and small, has a chamber of, of commerce. And states do as well. But I think most people really connect with their local chamber of commerce because it's like, who can I trust to tell me about what's happening in my city, in, in my town? And chambers tend to be that unassailable voice of reason. And I think of it now more importantly because cities and downtowns, we're looking at very differently. You know, the, what happened with the pandemic and hybrid work will completely upend what happens with urban centers in the future. And I think that the chambers of the future where we are today has never been more critical in understanding our downtowns. And downtowns matter because they're where everybody comes together, they're welcoming places, and right now they are hurting. I don't know one city anywhere in this country that isn't feeling that there's something that's really challenging the fundamentals there. And I believe in cities, I believe in urban centers, and chambers play a huge role in thinking about what comes next. And so the Chamber of the Future is focused on how do we future-proof, how do we adapt, learn, and create a more vibrant center city for all. And I think that's what we all need to be focused on talking about as we move our organizations into the future. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good vision looking forward and, and uh, hopefully we'll... Uh prove out well as uh, chambers have that focus on, on the downtowns and the city centers. Um, Andrew, I wanted to give you an opportunity to share any contact information for listeners who might want to learn more about how you guys are doing things there in Portland. What would be the best way for someone to reach out and connect with you? Sure. Uh, you can reach out to me at Andrew at PortlandMetroChamber.com. Brand new email, but serves the same purpose. And I love to hear from people across the country. We love to work with other chambers. Uh, and so I would love to hear from you and reach out and happy to grab a virtual cup of coffee. Or if you're ever in Portland, we welcome you in our home. We have a, a beautiful office that overlooks this resplendent uh, environment and city. And so you're always welcome with us. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. We'll we'll get your email in the show notes as well. But um, everybody ought to take Andrew up on that offer of that that virtual cup of coffee or or uh, just learning more about how they're they're doing things there in Portland. But Andrew, it's been a pleasure having you back on the podcast and talking all good things Portland. Um, wish you and your team best of luck as Chamber of the Year, and uh, look forward to chatting with you next time. Thanks so much, Brandon. Take care of yourself. If you are a Chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast for your chamber? We always hear about how chambers need to be storytellers. What better way is there to tell the stories of your members and the work of your chamber than through a podcast? 
Your audience is waiting to hear from you as a convener of leaders and influencers, champion for business, and catalyst for change within your community. I just launched a Chamber podcast course with the goal to get your very own podcast started within 30 days. Visit chamberchatpodcast.com slash pivot to learn more and to enroll in the Chamber podcast course today.